0: Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. In a lot of my episodes, I have touted the virtue of asking questions. This is something that is embedded deeply in my philosophy. When we engage ourselves and others with curiosity we are able to solve problems more quickly and come up with better answers. One idea that I see pop up frequently is that questions are more valuable than answers. To some extent, I agree with this idea, but I think people take this to the extreme a little bit too much. It feels like it stems from the counterintuitive branch of self-help, whereby saying the opposite of what people think, you get them to engage more. It gets clicks, but it doesn't always produce the best advice. Nonetheless, to get great answers... You often need great questions. Your answer isn't going to matter if you're asking the wrong question, so it's important that we take the time to figure out if we're asking the right question. With ADHD, we often just want to jump into action and start doing. But this means that we need to be even more vigilant that we're asking these questions so that we know we're going in the right direction. But how do we ask great questions, or even good questions? What would even make one question better than another? In today's episode, we're going to be exploring that idea, as well as looking into the how and when of question asking. If you'd like to follow along in the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com questions. All right, keep on listening to find out what questions you should be asking. One of the best ways I've found to ask meaningful questions is to ask questions that challenge my status quo. Many of us with ADHD are great at pattern recognition. As things happen again and again, we start to figure out what to expect in all these different situations. This is great, but too often we don't do anything with this information. We know we're going to lose our keys when we get in the house, but we just keep on losing our keys because that's what we do. We don't question this process, We don't take the necessary steps to make change happen. And so this is where I'm talking about questioning our own status quo. What are the things we are doing in life where we know we're going to have a suboptimal outcome? And I'm sure a lot of you do this already. It's probably how you found this podcast, asking, hey, is there something I can do to help with my ADHD? Part of what keeps us from doing anything is that we tell ourselves, well, next time I just won't lose my keys. Except that's not a real solution. That's the equivalent of someone telling us to just focus. What this means is that when we're asking ourselves these questions, we need to reject the easy answer, to question our own answers. Okay, next time I won't lose my keys. Well, how am I going to do that? Maybe if I had a place to put them away, like a basket by the door. Okay, well, how am I going to remember to put them there? Well, maybe I could put up a comically large sign above the basket that says, keys go here. Great. And then when are we going to actually be putting the keys in the basket? Soon as I get in the door. Okay. And what are you going to do if you don't? If I see them anywhere else, I'll pick them up and then I'll re-go through that whole going through the door process and put them in the basket so that I train my brain to always do that when I'm coming in. Awesome. Now, what's our backup plan going to be? Maybe I could get a tile or something similar for my keys so I can find them when I misplace them. Alright, this does sound like a lot of work, just to make sure that we're not losing our keys. But we can use this process for all those things in life where we're going to have these hang-ups. Why do I always procrastinate on certain tasks? How can I get myself to put away my laundry more regularly? How can I eat more healthy food? The key here is to give yourself time to think these problems through, and reject those initial easy answers. Of course, we also want to be refining this process as we go. We're probably not going to have all the right answers the first time through. So we need to give ourselves the grace to understand that this is a process, and these are all iterations upon iterations, and eventually we'll find a way that works. One of the ways that we can fail to ask questions is when we think we already know the answer to them. And I want to be clear here that this isn't a case where we're explicitly saying that we know the answer, but rather that we're not even really thinking the issue through. Often when we're thinking about a concept, we think we understand it far better than we actually do. There was an excellent illustration of this in a study from the University of Liverpool in 2006, in which they asked participants to draw a bicycle. And let's think about this task for a little bit right now. We all know what a bicycle looks like. If you want to pause the podcast here for a second and draw your own, feel free, just remember to come back. Okay, so it's got a frame, a front wheel, a back wheel, some pedals, and a drive chain. I imagine most of us believe that we could fairly easily draw this bicycle. And I know I've seen enough bicycles that I have a pretty good understanding of how they work. But I know that the times that I've drawn a bicycle myself... Well, if I'd made that into a real object, it probably wouldn't move. And this is what the study from the University of Liverpool found. People were confident that they knew how a bicycle worked, and that they could accurately draw the mechanics of that. Yet, in the drawings, there were plenty of errors that showed that participants weren't quite as knowledgeable as they believed. Things like connecting the drive chain from the front wheel to the back wheel. Nope, that's not how that works. Or putting the pedals on one of the wheels. Yeah, the pedals go in the middle and then the chain goes to the back. What was being demonstrated in this study is the illusion of explanatory depth. This is the idea that we think we actually know much more about things than we actually do. That while we believe we know how something works, when we are put to the test of explaining said thing, we in fact don't really know how to explain it. And perhaps you did know how a bicycle works, but how about a toilet, or Velcro, or a candle? For all of those things, I intrinsically believe I know how they work. But if push came to shove and I was asked to really explain that mechanism, well, Google is my friend here because I know there are absolutely parts that I just don't really understand. I mean, I think I do, but where does the wax go? Are we just breathing it in until we ourselves become candles? And this applies to all areas of our life. We often believe that we understand something far more than we actually do. This isn't about us trying to save face and acting like we're smart. This is just a far deeper facet of being a person. We often don't realize what we don't know. And the importance of this in the context of this conversation is that this illusion often keeps us from asking questions because we believe we already know what's going on. One of the places I often get caught is when I'm asked if I have any questions. I'll be out doing some activity, someone will explain what we're doing, and then ask for questions. And I know at that instant, I'm not going to have any questions. But as soon as we start, well, then I'm going to have a boatload of questions because I'm suddenly presented with the fact that I didn't actually understand things as much as I thought I did. This always happens to me at doctor's appointments. They'll walk me through something and then ask if I have any questions. Usually I feel like, yeah, I know what's going on here. I get this. And then later I'll be talking to someone else and they'll ask me a very basic question and I'll have no idea. How could I have not asked about that? This seems like very important information. One way to help deal with this is to write out potential questions you might have beforehand so that if they don't get answered, you have something to jog your memory. But what I've been doing more recently is just being honest and upfront about what's going on and let them know that I probably will have questions later and see if I can contact them when that comes up. It's not a perfect system, but I know in the moment there's not a lot that's going to change my mental state, so it's important to just roll with reality. Another area that we should also think about is the when of asking questions. While I agree with the idea that we can question everything, it isn't really practical for everyday life. As I mentioned earlier, we often stick with answers because they are the way things are. We don't question the way we do things because, well, that's the way we do them and that can lead to a lot of stagnation. But on the other hand, that's okay sometimes, perhaps even most of the time, because questioning everything would be exhausting and completely derail our day. Part of this comes from the fact that there are a lot of things that we can question that we have no control over. For example, I could be sitting in traffic and wondering if the stoplights are designed in an optimal way. And of course they're not, because they don't take into account people who are red-green colorblind, and if there's no way to control the traffic flow... You know what, I'm going to digress here. And sure, it's fine for me to wander this idly in traffic, but if I'm doing that for absolutely everything I'm going to see, is there a better way to design doors? What if instead of sitting, we strapped ourselves into cars standing upright? What if instead of roads, we just had tunnels everywhere? What if I had a silly straw for my coffee, so I didn't have to use my hands to take a sip while I'm driving? What if I just worked from home, so I didn't have to commute? And that's just five minutes into being in the car. But of course, maybe some of those questions are actually useful. Perhaps that coffee silly straw idea would be great. Or maybe it was the commute one that I liked. Because it is useful to questions of things that we do have control over. But here's where things get even trickier. With ADHD, we naturally have a lot of questions in our mind. Because just so many ideas are flying in there at once. And sometimes our questions can just be another form of procrastination. What if there was just an easier way to do this kind of questions? This is absolutely a great question to ask. But not always while we're doing the thing. This is something that has led me astray many a time. I'll start working on something and go, oh, I bet there's a better way of doing this, and then spend two hours setting up the better way, only to realize there was a reason I was doing things in the original way. And so for something that would have taken me 20 minutes, I've now wasted my entire afternoon. This happens to me a lot when I'm cleaning and putting things away. I'll have a great idea of how to reorganize all of this, and then proceed to stop cleaning and do the reorganization, and meanwhile, the cleaning doesn't get done, and perhaps I make an even worse mess. So here, we can stop and instead ask more questions. Questions like, does this need to happen right now? And then, are you sure? Because it really doesn't seem like it. And I know it's hard to stop when you get that flash of insight that says, Hey, I know a better way to do this. And oftentimes I do know a better way to do things. It's just that I rarely come up with that answer in the moment. That's just my brain finding ways for me to avoid doing something, or to try and create more novelty in the situation. Think about it this way. Let's go with that organization example again. We have this flash of insight on how we could reorganize. But instead of doing it right then, we could write that idea down. And we finish putting away the stuff we need to put away because that stuff is going to need to be put away anyway. And I'm saying this now because I know this is something that's going to come up for me as I put away my Halloween decorations later this week. Now, we have that idea of how we could reorganize. But is it something that we actually want to do? Well, now that I'm not in the moment, I don't know if I particularly want to reorganize the Halloween decorations. And then I have to question, is it just that I don't have the momentum now? Or is it also because, well... I just don't actually care if it happens. I don't have enough Halloween decorations where they need a particularly special organization method. They just need to be together, which they already are. In the moment, it is easy for us to think that we've got a great idea, an important idea. But in reflection, it's not nearly as important, or even as urgent as I once thought. It's hard for our ADHD brains to properly prioritize things. And so, things that are happening now often seem like they're the most important thing. But let's say after reflection, I did want to reorganize my Halloween decorations. Well, now that I'm not in the moment, it's a lot easier for me to figure out what parts of this actually need to happen. Instead of just doing this as an impromptu project, I can make this into a real project that I actually plan out. This is important because it will allow me to give the time it deserves, and more importantly, it makes it way more likely to become a project that I finish. In both cases, this reorganization is a project. But in the first case, there's no plan, and I'm way more likely to end up halfway through when I realize I need to go do something else and have to just leave it halfway finished until next Halloween. I'm not saying that just having a plan ahead of time is going to guarantee that I finish that project up, but it will help me create scope and figure out when I actually have time to do it, and then dedicating time to actually finishing it. All of this to say that, yeah, questioning things is great to do, but we shouldn't let ourselves impulsively run off with it. Not always an easy task, because we don't call it impulsivity because of our reserved and careful nature, but when we at least give things some forethought, as in, hey, this might make me want to do something impulsive, that can help mitigate some of those tendencies. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One. One of the best places to explore asking questions is within our own status quo. Often, we don't question what we do because, well, because that's just the way things are done. Sometimes, that in fact is the case. But often, we don't explore other ways of doing things because we never slow down enough to question them. Two. The illusion of explanatory depth is the idea that we think we know more about something than we actually do. That while we believe we know how something works, when we are put to the test of explaining said thing, we then find our understanding lacking. 3. While it is important for us to question how we do things, it is often better for us to wait to question them until we're not in the middle of doing something. Our impulsivity can easily get the best of us and lead us to making situations harder than they need to be because we're not taking everything into account. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd, and I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can go to the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com if you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, Hey, I loved this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at HackingYourADHD.com Patreon. Sign up for the 2, 5, 10, 25... 25- or even fifty dollars a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. For those of you late-diagnosed women, moms, and professionals, you can also check out the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Maven. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now, for your moment of dad... Have you ever tried archery while blindfolded? Well, let me tell you, you don't know what you're missing.